You're listening to Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. I'm Travis Harrison. I'm joined by my best friend, Ben Weir. Thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me, dude. I appreciate it. Ben is the co-host on The Benchmark, a podcast that's all sports and no politics. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please be sure to go like and subscribe to it. Him and Mark do a great job covering all things sports. Well, Ben and I are going to dive right into some NFL news. It's been rumored during the offseason that when Tom Brady retired, he had been having talks with the Dolphins about becoming a part owner of the Miami Dolphins to then force a trade with the Buccaneers that allowed him to get out of Tampa and play for Miami this next season. Tom Brady was asked the other day, point blank, if he had been in talks with the Dolphins this offseason, and he sounded like someone who definitely had, because he easily could have flat out said no, but instead, and I quote, said, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. I've had for the last three or four years of my career about different opportunities when I'm done playing football, so I kind of made a decision of what I'd like to do, and I'll get to be in the game of football, end quote. Blah, blah, blah. Ben, that definitely sounds like someone who is at least flirting with the possibility. What are your thoughts in hearing this? Yeah, so, I mean, this was kind of news to me. I, I had heard that he had wanted to go to the Dolphins to begin with. The part that was news to me was the Sean Payton thing, but I I have no doubt he wanted to go to Miami. I feel it's a good place to go to. Uh, he's familiar with the AFC East. He knows the AFC East very well. He dominated the AFC East and the um, with the Patriots. So, like, to me, this would not have been a shock that he wanted to go and then them getting Tyreek Hill. Maybe this was also part of the scenario that, Hey, Brady's going to come here. If you come here too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned Sean Payton. Apparently the dolphins were ready to offer Payton a hundred million dollars for five years, which would have made him the second highest paid quarterback in the league right behind Bill Belichick. I thought it was strange how Payton randomly stepped down from the saints. Maybe it wasn't so random after all. The pieces were coming together until the whole Brian Flores lawsuit happened. And then everyone pulled out. Ben, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. How crazy would it have been for Peyton to be coaching Brady on the Dolphins and then Brady getting to throw to Tyreek Hill every week? Oh, I would have hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Same here. I would have hated it so much because they would have just talked about him, Hill, and Brady. And I can one of the coaches I cannot stand is Sean Peyton. He gave us the choke sign in the playoffs, and that's when we beat him. So I I cannot stand him. So I would have hated every single second of that. But I'm I'm happy it didn't come to fruition. I. I do kind of think Peyton walked away for family reasons, but also I feel like he walked away because the Saints were going to suck. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he, I think he would have been fine in Miami, but I would have definitely hated every second of it. Yeah, probably a smart move walking away. Yeah, Saints didn't really have a whole lot moving forward. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the whole choke sign there in the playoffs against you guys. You know, also the whole bounty gate thing came out there. You know. several years ago and all the suspensions and everything going on there. I think it's safe to assume Gronk is somebody who still is on the fence about playing, retiring, but I feel like if this would have gone through, Gronk probably would have followed Brady to Miami and an already great receiving core of Hill, Waddle, Bowden Jr., and Williams would have been unstoppable with all that talent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like Gronk is uh, basically Brady's little puppy. I mean, wherever Brady's going to go, he's going to follow him there. And I've never really liked Gronk either. He's a great tight end. Don't get me wrong about that. But I, I definitely agree with you. He would have gone there for sure to follow Brady. I don't even know if he's going to play this year, but Brady came back. So if, if he's playing, he's going to go back to Tampa, I'm sure. You mentioned this too about Brady dominating the AFC East. I also think Brady loved the idea of beating up on Belichick and the Patriots twice a year and potentially <laughs> keeping them out of the playoffs. I'm sure there was yeah. a little motivation there with trying to get this deal done. Yes, I do agree with that. I'm sure... 
I'm sure with the ending of how it ended in New England, where I know things came out with him, Ben Belichick, uh, kind of button heads there, I'm sure he would have had the pleasure of destroying them two games. <laughs> yeah, well, Ben, staying with the Dolphins, Tyree Kill was heard on his podcast the other day comparing Mahomes and Tua and ultimately admitting that Tua is a more accurate passer. My issue with this is that you went to four straight conference championships with Mahomes, back-to-back Super Bowls, and won one Super Bowl ring. Nothing against Tua, but all you've done with him so far is have some mini-camp practices where you essentially are playing catch and have the audacity (laughs) to say that Tua is more accurate than Mahomes. So, Ben, what is your response to hearing this besides laughter? Oh, he's an idiot. (laughs) I had so much respect for him because I actually really liked him in Kansas City a lot, but I'm just like... I really think it's more coming to being, try to being a good teammate. So I, I don't think it's necessarily maybe him thinking that. And if he really does, I don't know like what in his mind compares Tua with Mahomes. Cause Mahomes is a whole nother level compared to Tua and Mahomes actually throws the ball deep Tua barely. I think it was like less than 50%. If I'm reading that right with passes more than 25 yards down the field. So like, I know Hill can create space and do it all, and he can, you know, do the little dunk and move around with the ball. But like, I, I don't see this being the case with Tua being more accurate than Mahomes. There's no way. Yeah, and and I, I feel like there's nothing wrong with being loyal to your current quarterback. I mean, if he wants to sit yeah. there and you know praise Tua for things or whatever, but like, why take the the hit against your former quarterback? Like, there's no reason to sit yeah. there and even compare them. I mean, they're two totally different players. Obviously, Mahomes has been in the league a little bit longer. He's, you know, he's proven himself. Tua still, you know, coming of age and all of that and just the growth and maturity. So, yeah, I don't really understand why Hill would sit there and even make the comparison for one, but then just ridiculous to even compare the two, especially right now, you know, in their careers with what Mahomes has done versus what Tua has done. Well, and the funny thing to me that I'm just thinking about is the Dolphins, I don't even think are sold on him being their franchise quarterback. So I'm pretty no. sure there was a lot of trade rumors last year about Tua getting moved. So I don't even know why he's saying this. And the fact that, yeah, they're not sold on him. Again, going back to the whole Brady thing, I mean, they were trying to get yeah. Tom in there. So clearly, you know, they're not sold on Tua. Um, but jumping back to Brady, you know, former Bucks coach Bruce Arians came out here recently, admitted that if Brady would have stayed retired, he probably would still be the coach of the Bucks. Ben, do you believe that to be true? I know we were kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand. I do think he probably would have been, but I think it's because, again, the kind of what you've mentioned to me personally before this is that Brady seems to butt heads with these coaches. Like, I mean, with Belichick, I kind of already mentioned that towards the end of the, you know, career with him. He, he was not on the same page. I don't feel like he was on the same page with Arians. I don't think that was really a hidden secret that they didn't get along. Uh, they kind of just coped together. So I do feel like if Brady wasn't there, I think Arians would have been fine coaching, but I think Arians left because he didn't want to coach Brady is basically what was going on. Yeah. Well, you mentioned butting heads, you know, I know that for the last two years, they have kind of clashed a little bit and I know Brady's close with the owners of Tampa Bay. I could totally see him saying, yeah, I'll come back, but you have to get rid of Arians and, but they like Arians. So, you know, they try to make both sides happy, giving Arians a position in the front office and then giving Brady the coach that he really wanted in Todd Bowles. But I know Arians has since come out and said, you know, it had more to do with if Brady was there or not. If Brady wasn't going to be there, he didn't want to leave Todd Bowles, you know, in a rough spot with no true quarterback. But now that Brady came back, He's confident and happy to hand the keys over to Bulls. Do you kind of think that makes more sense 
or kind of buy, you know, what he's saying there? Or do you think they're just more so just kind of covering up and, and trying to make, keep the peace? I, I think it's the, just the latter. I think it's the keeping the peace. Uh, I mean, hats off to Todd Bowles. I, he's done a great job with that defense. I, I do think he deserved another coaching job. I mean, he coached the Jets. You can't win with the Jets. It's clear and obvious. <laughs> so I, I do feel like he deserves a second shot. And, I mean, he, he'll probably have some success, but that's only because the Bucks are loaded. So I'm sure they're going to make the playoffs and everything like that. But, but yeah, I definitely feel it's more keep the peace between between everybody. I am a little bit surprised that Arians is going to stay in the organization, though, with Brady calling the shots more than likely. But, but yeah, I just I feel it's more like the keep the peace type thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, shifting gears to the NBA Finals now, the Warriors have taken a 3-2 series lead thanks to the heroics in Game 5 of Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins has been waiting his entire career for a moment to shine on the NBA Finals stage. An eight-year veteran, he hadn't yet had the opportunity. But now that he's here, he's taking full advantage. Wiggins led the Warriors to their 104-94 victory over the Boston Celtics in Monday night's Game 5, finishing with 26 points on 12 of 23 shooting, 13 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 assists, and 1 block as Golden State took a 3-2 series lead. Ben, how impressed were you by Wiggins' performance in Game 5? Oh, I mean, he super impressed. Uh, it, it's been the Curry show this whole entire four games that they've played so far. So like when Curry doesn't, I mean, not necessarily show up, but when he's not playing well, I, they need somebody else to show up. So I was super surprised because the Celtics finally shut down Curry. So it's like, okay, Celtics got a pretty good chance at winning this game. Oh, hold on a second. They still have Andrew Wiggins. They still got Clay Thompson and they still won by 10 points. So like super impressed by Andrew Wiggins showing up. And like you said, I mean, he's been with Minnesota for years. I'm, I actually like the guy. I don't have any problems with him. I'm not a huge Warriors fan. I don't really like them at all. But like, I'm happy for him to you know play well and carry his team to a victory. Yeah. Well, a little side note here: it would be cool for Wiggins to win a ring this year, the same year the Kansas Jayhawks won the national championship. Considering that's where he went to college, so kind of a cool opportunity there if that works out. And you you mentioned uh, Steph Curry. After his stellar 43-point, 10-rebound performance in Game 4, he was held to just 16 points in Game 5, 7 of 22 shooting. Well, you mentioned Curry. On the one hand, after his stellar 43-point, 10-rebound performance in Game 4, he was held to just 16 points in Game 5 on 7 of 22 shooting. And even more crazy was that he was 0 for 9 from 3. This snapped a ridiculous streak of 233 games, regular season and playoffs in a row that Curry has made at least one three-pointer. Ben, how shocked were you by this outing from Steph, especially given how he had just went off the previous game? Oh, like a thousand percent shocked. Like, I mean, you don't ever see, I don't really remember, like you said, with all those games, he's hit at least one three. I don't remember him not ever hitting a three because he can, I mean, he can make it contested, can make it wide open. He's ridiculous shooting three. So like, I'm, completely shocked I, this is never going to happen again probably for another 200 games I'm sure I can't see I can't see it happening again but like it was it was definitely surprising I mean, he just just didn't look comfortable just didn't didn't shoot the ball well I just I don't know I'm sure he's going to bounce back game six but it was very surprising well you may disagree with me on this take and that's okay but I feel like last night's game this sh- just shows how much of a team game basketball really is and how flawed you know the ring argument truly is you have the best player on the Warriors, you know, shoot as bad as he did, yet they still found a way to win thanks to Wiggins, Clay, and others who stepped up with Curry struggling. You had LeBron a few years ago put up 51 points in the finals in a game, and his team still managed to lose, you know, due to a lack of help and also his boneheaded teammate for getting the score at the end. 
So <laughs> your 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 thoughts there. Do you do you agree? Do you disagree? <laughs> I can I can I love that. I forgot about J.R. Smith doing that. That was hilarious. I yeah, I can see what you're saying. I, I can definitely see that. Um that LeBron scoring fifty one, I, I mean, yeah, he didn't have now I'm gonna even go back further. I can't remember you're gonna have to forgive me, but I can't remember the year. But like when he first was I think it was his first ever finals. He literally had nobody on his team. I think playing the Spurs and they got swept. So like I can, I definitely understand your point of team basketball. Like you need more than just one player. You can't just have one guy scoring 51 points and then everybody else, you know, not contributing at all. So no, I, I think that's a very fair point. That was uh, 2007 on the Cavs, his okay. first go around. And yeah, it was LeBron and a bunch of uh, just mop buckets and yeah. other, other, <laughs> other household appliances that were just, you know, tagging along for the ride and, yeah, he was he he pulled him all the way through to the finals. But yeah, just ran into several Hall of Famers on the Spurs. Obviously, Greg Popovich, yeah, great did. coach, and just yep. yeah, no, nothing you can do. So again, just no. more so proving that yeah, it is it is a team game. I agree. Yeah, so this is a crazy stat, but this was the first time the Boston Celtics have lost back to back games in five months. So regular Whoa. season into the playoffs here, first few rounds, they have not lost back to back games in five months. So that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, wow. They better hope that they don't lose three in a row because then it's over. So, <laughs> But, you know, they haven't played particularly well these playoffs at home and weirdly have a better record on the road. But interesting that it's going to take winning a home game to keep their championship hopes alive. Jason Tatum's been playing extremely well, averaging just under 27 points per game, but has been strangely disappearing in the fourth quarter. Listen to these numbers from each round of the playoffs. So in the first two rounds, he was averaging eight points per game in the fourth quarter, shooting almost 60% field goal. So solid. But then in the East Finals, he was down to four points a game and 38 field goal percentage. And now in the NBA Finals, he's down to three points in the in the fourth quarters and shooting 23% on field goal. So in your opinion, what do wow. the Celtics need to do differently in game six to win and force a game seven back in the Bay Area? And do you feel that Tatum needs to get things figured out in the fourth quarter for them to even have a chance? Oh, I mean, uh, I would say for sure. Uh, Tatum's going to have to figure out how to score a basket, man. I mean, he made that huge layup uh, in the Brooklyn series for when they won 4-0. But, like, I mean, like you said, man, dude, he's literally just disappearing. But it, it's going to have to take more than just Tatum. I mean, he's going to have to get Jalen Brown to help him out because he's not playing well either. But, like, if, if you're only scoring three points in the fourth quarter, I mean, you've got three other Warriors on the other side that can score the ball like crazy. So, I mean, if you can't score, then, yeah. I just feel like they – they what has gotten them to where they are? And like you said, they haven't lost – two back-to-back games but besides you know in the playoffs here since five months what they need to get back to is, is defensive basketball and rebounding I feel like they've got they've got the size on on the Warriors I mean they've got Robert Williams who's a freaking beast down in the paint if they can just you know rebound kick it out and get some fast breaks instead of doing this ISO basketball that they've been doing then yeah I think they can get back into it I I, I personally think the Warriors might end it in six but we'll see we'll see what happens yeah, you brought up defense. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics have been one of the top defensive teams all year round, and obviously they've got the Defensive Player of the Year in Marcus Smart. So, yeah, they've just got to pull it together and remember what got them this far. I I, I mean, obviously they, they got to get it done. I mean, it's do or die now. But you would think yeah. surely playing at home in front of their fans, you know, they could just get a little bit of that extra grit, 
you know, and just feed off the energy, you know, that's going to be in the garden there and hopefully pull out the win. Cause I mean, I would love to see them win game six and force a game seven. Cause obviously game sevens are so entertaining. Mm-hmm. You, you obviously it's the last game of the series. Whoever wins that one's taken home the chip and it would just be really exciting to see it just come down to a final game seven. Uh, something on the Warriors side though, I feel like people are just acting like Clay Thompson is washed which is ridiculous. He's been putting up solid numbers. And honestly, you look at his numbers from the last playoff series um, or year that he was healthy, you know, a couple years ago for the the injuries, and they're like almost identical. So he hasn't fallen off. In fact, he's he's right there, and in some spots, he's he's doing better. It's kind of a silly thing to sit here and be like, you know, Steph has a bag. Oh, no, they're doomed. It's like Clay is just (laughs) steadily carrying them. And then obviously last night, Wiggins has the big game. The man they got to get a hold of is Draymond Green. I don't know what's going on with that guy, oh but gosh. I feel like he's more about his podcast lately than he is about playing basketball. And I know he's a great defender and just an all-around great player, but he is not playing like it. And his mom even called him out the other day on Twitter, <laughs> which was pretty funny. You know, she's like, I don't know, you know, maybe he's a clone or something. I don't know what's going on. And so it's just like he do, he seems a little distracted. He, you know, he I feel like he's in his head now and he's let people get yeah. in his head because it's like, oh, man, yeah. I'm, I'm not playing well. And it's like every game he just he just can't get it done. I mean, he's on the offensive side of the ball. He's become a liability. I mean, he used to yeah. at least be able to score 10 to 14 points a game, probably. And now. It's like he gets a basket, maybe, yeah. you know, so it's like it's almost it's four on five on the offensive end. Now he still is a solid defender on the defensive end, and that's where he really needs to just lock in and just focus on because that's where he know you know, that's where his gifts are. And, you know, he can really make a difference on that end of the floor. But he's got to get some things figured out offensively, too, because, I mean, the guy used to be able to put the ball in the hoop, you know, at least a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. well, that's what I was just thinking. I was like, I'm pretty sure at Michigan State, and you'll have to help me with this one too. I'm I'm pretty sure he was one of the leading scorers on the team. So like he's he's completely disappeared. And I just feel like he's almost wasted space on the court. I mean, I, I'm sorry for saying that, but like he he really is. I mean, like you said, just defensively, that's all you're going to get from him, which is good. You're going to need to shut to shut him down. But like, I feel like you're going to need at least a couple buckets out of him to you know maybe just like help you out just a little bit. And it's just it's just odd because I do. I just feel like he was a really good player at Michigan state. And then he was decent, you know, when he first came in the league, but like after a, a few years, I just feel like he's really, his offense has like gone way down. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first, you know, well, the go around, you know, with the Cavs, you know, those four straight series, you know, battling LeBron and all that. I mean, he was, he was scoring quite a few points there and, you know, he's hitting yeah. threes and, and all of that. So it's like, it is weird. Just like all of a sudden, it's just fallen yeah. off. It wasn't even like a gradual, like, oh, it's just like he went from, oh, my word, what happened to Draymond Green? So for the Warriors' sake, hopefully he gets it figured out because, yeah, I mean, they, they need him. I mean, he he's the yeah. catalyst, I feel like, kind of holds everything together. You know, as obviously offensively he's not, but just from a team and just like in the huddle, in the locker room, like they need him locked in. They need him just pumping everybody up and just, you know, obviously he's a big trash talker. He just feeds off of that. Yeah, leads off of getting exactly. in other guys' heads, but it seems like it's almost kind of reverse psychology, and now people are getting in his heads yeah. a little bit. So be interesting <laughs> to see if they can get things figured out, if he can kind of just break out of that shell that, he, that he's been in here for a little bit and, you know, help carry yeah. them to a title. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right, well, our last segment, the moment that hockey fans have been waiting for 
has finally arrived. The Stanley Cup final is officially set as the Colorado Avalanche will be taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Avalanche have looked like an absolute juggernaut all season, and that has continued to be the case in the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers were no match for the Avalanche in the Western Conference final. Colorado ended up outscoring Edmonton 22-13 in a four-game sweep, including a heart-pounding 6-5 overtime win in Game 4 to clinch the Western Conference. However, it was at a cost as the Avalanche lost star wingman Nazim Kadri to a thumb injury. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning battled through their fair share of adversity in the Eastern Conference Final. The New York Rangers had the Lightning in an 0-2 hole. That's when the Lightning woke up. Tampa Bay went on to win the next four games behind stellar efforts from goaltender Andre... Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. It's not easy. <laughs> Vasilevsky, all right. Well, after surrendering six goals in Game 1, Vasilevsky allowed just one goal in each of the final three games of the series. Now, the Lightning will be looking to win their third consecutive Stanley Cup and cement themselves as one of the greatest NHL dynasties that the sport has ever seen. Ben, what was your reaction to the outcomes of both of these conference final matchups? So I'm going to start with the West. The West, I was shocked. I I thought that was going to be seven games easily. Uh, Edmonton has been great. Connor McDavid is an insane skater. He is super quick. They had a great team. They had a good series. They knocked out the Flames 4-1. to one. So I thought that was going to be a good series. And the Avalanche basically kicked their butts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Game 4 was, like you said, the overtime. That was a heck of a game. Game 1 was a heck of a game, too. I think it was 9-6 was the final in the first one. But, like, super surprised. I'm happy for the Avalanche. My brother-in-law is an Avs fan. They haven't been in the finals since, I believe, it's 2002. So pretty excited about seeing them in there it pains me to see the lightning again i i know i'm from tampa but i hate the lightning I, the fans. I see them all the time on facebook and i'm just like go away we get it your team's good but your team has won two in a row we know they're going for the three feet nobody cares um but vasilevsky i mean we got to talk about this guy he's he is the glue i know we just talked about Draymond being the glue for the warriors he is 100 percent the glue for this lightning team like they've got a great defense um i feel like i'm just going to tell you the stat here his career playoff game, so he's played 98 games in the playoffs, which is insane. Uh, his goal average against is 2.24 for 98 games in the playoffs. That is just mind-boggling. Wow. So if if the Avs are going to have a chance, they're going to they're going to have to beat him. And I, I feel like the Avs have got a team. They've got a great offense. I mean, they show that against Edmonton. I don't. Edmonton definitely doesn't have the same goalie. They got Mike Smith compared to Vasilevsky. Not not even close to comparison, but. It's going to be good. I, I was definitely surprised. I, I don't think I was surprised that the Lightning came back being down 2-0. I, I was more surprised the Rangers were up 2-0 because I did not expect that at all. Yeah, well, many think this could be a long series between the Avalanche and Lightning with most predicting it go six or seven games. Ben, what's your prediction, and do you have a dog in the fight? Obviously, you said your brother-in-law is a big Avs fan, so I'm assuming you'd like to see them knock off the Lightning here in the final. Oh, 100%. <laughs> It's more like a so hockey for me is more like a when it was when Brady was on the Patriots. I will cheer for anybody that is playing the Lightning. <laughs> so I will definitely be cheering for the Avs. Um, as far as prediction, I really want to be crazy and say five games, but I was wrong in that prediction when I said the Warriors are going to win five games. So I'm going to say the Avs are going to win in seven games. That's what I'm going to go with. What you thinking? Well, just because you said Avalanche, I'm going to be different and say Lightning in seven. Of course. <laughs> yeah, just because. But, I mean, they battled last series. They won four straight against a very tough Rangers squad. Personally, yeah. I went to school in the Tampa area. 
as did you. Yep. You live there, obviously. I attended a few lightning games while while I was there. They obviously weren't as good back then, you know. So yeah. I'm I'm pulling for the three peat, which would be incredible. But if the Avalanche yeah, win, you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But if the Avalanche yeah. win, I'm not going to lose sleep over it because the Lightning have won the last two. So why not give someone else a chance who hasn't been on the mountaintop in over 20 years? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, it'd be cool to see a three peat. I'm always about seeing new teams uh, win. I, I like seeing teams that haven't won in a long time or even seeing sure. teams that have never won. I, I love seeing that. I'm, shout out to my San Jose Sharks, who probably are never going to win a <laughs> cup final because they suck. Yeah. But you've but been yeah, faithful no, this I, whole time, though. You've I have never been, wavered from them. Let, so. me, let me down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I could definitely see this going seven. I, I would be surprised seeing it go five or fewer, honestly. If I'm being honest, I would definitely be surprised. Yeah, I mean, they're both two just very talented teams, just two ta- powerhouses, and, yeah. you know, they both took care of business here in the conference finals. So, yeah, I, th- I think this one will just be a, a slugfest. At least I hope so. Yes. I mean, I know for your sake, yes. you're you're fine. If it, I mean, if it was a sweep, you'd be like, yes, as long as it's the avalanche. But Of course. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but, you know, six or seven games, I mean, hard-fought series, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. So, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. But. Yeah, Ben, thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate appreciate course, you jumping dude, on here. Definitely, yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, dude. Well, once again, be sure to go follow and subscribe to Ben's podcast, The Benchmark, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's going to do it for this episode. You've been listening to Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. Travis and Ben signing off.